Mike, I'll give you an hour to stop doing that. <laughs> Holy smokes, yeah. Good morning and welcome to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. Actually, let's do that. Good morning. This is Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. I'm the Reverend Jason Warren Griffiths, and I'm really glad you're here along with the team. Everybody's glad you're here. Um, today is March 6th, 2022. For those listening on the podcast, it will be a communion service, so have your elements ready. Um, also, next week is Spring Forward. We lose an hour. That's kind of bad news. Just pause, just a moment of silence for that. <laughs> okay. And then uh, I received a text this morning, and it made my day a little better. And I'd love to read it to you all. It's from Patty Ernst. She says, I think I'll be going home today. It's earlier than expected, but I have the great physician in charge. Title, you know, God. I'm off all the lines, pain is being managed, and walking and eating, so doctor saw, saw no reason for me not to go home, right? Amen. Sometimes, uh, here's a little lament of Jason, uh, I wish he wouldn't show up right on time. <laughs> I wish he would show up a little earlier. <laughs> Right, but uh, our God shows up right on time, and uh, He's firmly in Patty's firmly in His hands. Um, let's stand, and our call to worship comes from Psalm ninety-one, the first two verses. And I'll be reading from the Passion Translation. When you, when you, abide under the shadow of Shaddai. You are hidden in the strength of God most high. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me. The only God for me and my great confidence. Let's worship the Lord singing, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine.
Good morning. <laughs> Guys still need your coffee? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to wake up because we're going to sing a song. Um, some of you may know this song. It's called Five Little Ducks. You guys know the song? No? Oh, well, then here we go. We're going to learn a song. What? You know this song, huh? Can you help them? They don't know this song. Okay. So there's a part in the song where the mother duck says, quack, 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 quack. So I need your guys' help in that area. So when you hear that part, we're all going to sing it together. Okay? Ready? (laughs) Five little ducks went out one day Over the hill and far away Mother duck said, quack, 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 quack But only four little ducks came back Four little ducks went out one day over the hill and far away. Mother duck said, quack, quack, quack. But only three little ducks came back. Three little ducks went out one day over the hill and far away. Mother duck said, quack, quack, quack. But only two little ducks came back. Two little ducks went out one day over the hill and far away. Mother duck said, quack, quack, quack. But only one little duck came back. One little duck went out one day over the hill and far away. Mother duck said, quack, quack, quack. But none of the five little ducks came back. Sad mother duck went out one day over the hill and far away. Sad mother duck said, quack, quack. And all of the five little ducks came back. Yay! (laughs) This song is just so sweet, and it shows how much the mother duck loved her little ones. Each time the little ducks went out, one of them got lost. Finally, the mother duck had lost all of her little ones, but she never gave up. She kept calling them back. Do you think mother duck would even have been satisfied if one, two, three, or even four of the little ducks had come back? I don't think so. I think mother duck would have kept calling quack, 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 quack until all five of those little ducks came back. This is a story a lot like the love of Jesus has for us, his children, The Bible tells us that one day Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem and wept. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Jesus was crying out in sadness over Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a very special place for God's chosen people. But when Jesus came, the people of Jerusalem rejected him. Jesus longed for his children to turn from his ways and come to him. He promised a blessing for those who would accept him. We're promised that same blessing today. Like a mother hen, Jesus calls his children to come to him so he can have, he can have shelter and protect them. Even though Jerusalem rejected Jesus, he never stopped calling his children. If only some of Jesus' children come back, he won't stop calling. If almost all of his children come to him, he still won't stop calling. The Bible teaches us that Jesus loves his children so much that he won't stop calling until all of his children come back. He may be calling some of you today. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us so much that you keep calling us to come to you. 
Amen. And at this time, children are dismissed. Well, as the children are dismissed, we're going to take you way back today. I think you're going to remember this one from the 70s. Y'all remember the 70s? Some people remember the 70s. Some people, the 70s sounds like, was that when World War II was? (laughs) Notice I looked in this general direction. Maybe you haven't heard these songs, but you're going to get a little edumacation. Okay? It goes like this. For the world today Above him there's no other Jesus is the way Jesus is the answer For the world today Above him there's no other Jesus is the way If you have some questions of discouragement in peace you never find reflections of your past seem to face you every day this one thing I do know Jesus is the way Some, some did, some didn't. All right, you got another chance here because we're going to take you back to like, I don't know, like 1776 or something. Trust the sweetest phrase. 
Compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord our God, though we have rebelled against them. Let us renounce our willfulness and seek his mercy by confessing our sins against God and neighbor together. Almighty and merciful God, 
We have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. O Lord, have mercy on us. Forgive those who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent according to your promises declared to the world in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O merciful God, for his sake, that we may live a holy, just, and humble life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. May the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins and restore us to his image, to the glory of God. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven.
Beautiful. First Sunday in Lent, we're going to be starting a series on Galatians. Brief introduction to Galatians. It's a letter written to the Church of Galatia by the Apostle Paul. F.F. Um, F. Bruce says you should never read Paul without understanding that his conversion to following Jesus Christ is underneath every sentence he writes. And that's no more apparent than in this letter to the Church of Galatia. Um, this church, you'll, we'll come to find out over the next few weeks as we make our way towards Easter, is struggling with putting limitations on God's grace. They're struggling with making following Jesus a religion rather than a relationship. And his, his message all throughout this is grace, period. And the gift of God that is Jesus the Christ given for each of us. This letter is like, kind of like the John 3.16 of Paul. Um, I'm going to start in chapter 1 and read, starting in verse 6. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaimed to you, that, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel, gospel contrary to what you received, let that one be cursed. Accursed. Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant or a doulos, a slave of Jesus Christus. Jesus the Christ. This is the word of God. You've heard me tell about this story. I graduated high school, went, for, went to Venezuela for six weeks. Um, and then I came back, and that was my call into the ministry. I mentioned that two weeks ago when I was preaching on Philemon. I didn't mention that what we were doing it was a work project. We were building the foundation and the walls around the foundation of a dormitory in the middle of the Amazon jungle. Well, not in the middle, but deep in the Amazon jungle. You take a plane to Caracas, take a smaller plane to Porta Princesa, and then you get on a Cessna, and you fly into a grass landing strip, which is this missionary uh, compound right on the Orinoco River. And we're laying the foundations for it. 
And we dug the first couple days. We dug a huge trench around the whole deal. And then we laid concrete and made sure it was level. And then there were two teams. Me and Mike Sherrill, Scott Williams, and Tim Cologne. We were on one corner. Tim and Scott were on the other. We're laying bricks. And the missionary overseeing us, engineer type, didn't say very many words, kind of came off angry. <laughs> I don't know if you met somebody like that, but that's how this guy, this vibe was, I don't really like you. But anyway, we're laying these things down, and we're building, we're building it up bricks. Mike Sherrill, he was put in charge, and I was kind of his worker. He ignored the kind of the idea of things being straight. <laughs> you know, and so, and if you know, a foundation kind of has to be straight. It's kind of essential to the whole deal. But we were cranking. You know, we were having the most fun. And by the way, I had never heard a country song before that trip. By the end of that trip, because of Mike Sherrill, I had six or seven memorized. <laughs> Verbatim, the whole... It was colder than a well digger's ankles in Cutbank, Montana. We're... Hank Williams Jr. Okay. So we're laying these foundations and we're building this wall. We're smoking Tim and Scott. Tim and Scott are just like, they're way behind us. Missionary guy comes back and he takes one of those things called the plumb line. You ever heard of that thing? And he shows us that, no, we can't build a building like this, guys. And so he takes it all down and we're like, oh. Oh, but Mike's like, okay, we'll just learn more country songs. And we started from scratch, and we did it straight. The point of this story is this is similar to what is happening in Galatia. Paul brought the gospel to this church, and he's writing to this church that he loves. And he says, I taught you the truth, man. I came in there, and I told you, you can't work your way into heaven you got to receive grace from God through Jesus, and you need to receive it by faith. Not rocket science. Just do that. He takes off, and the opening of this paragraph. You guys are so quick to leave what I just told you. That's my first point in the sermon. How quick are you to leave what you've been taught? How quick are you to forget and try and do things on your own? How quick are you to forget that actually God's in charge and God absolutely adores you and he sent his one and only son for you, not just for the person to the right and to the left, but for you. And then he says, "Um, there is no other gospel. But there's other people saying that there's this gospel. How do you fight? And then he comes on harsh and he says, these people that are spreading this other gospel are accursed. And he repeats that. It's really interesting because I've studied a lot of Paul's letters, actually more than I've studied Galatians. Um, This made me think of Philippians in 118. I'll read that to you. If you have a Bible and can get there quick. Go with me. 118. 
Paul's talking at the end. He's just praised God for all the people in the church of Philippi. And then he's talking about how he's in jail and how he's hearing that other people are sharing the gospel. And some of them are sharing them not really with good motives. But listen to this. What does it matter? Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true. And in that I rejoice. Do you guys follow that? Catch my, like, why I'm mentioning this? He's mentioning to this other church over across the land in Philippi. He's saying, there's people saying the gospel, Jesus the Christ, and I wouldn't necessarily say it the way that they're saying it. And some of them, I don't think, have good motives. But bad news on them. It doesn't matter their motives. If you mention Jesus the Christ, rejoicing is to be had. Jesus is the answer, right? That's what we sang in the 70s. I didn't sing it in the 70s. I was born in 74. But in 1980-something, they based a VBS curriculum off that song. That's the last time I heard it, <laughs> you know, but that song, it just brings back, all, thanks for playing that, Danny, that just, uh, that brought back all kinds of crazy memories, but it's that simple, it's being childlike faith. How do you fight against false gospels? The first one, there is no other gospel, Jesus Christ. Wipe every other way out of this place off your, off your mind. Wipe any other idea on how to get to God the Father out of your mind. And then what are some other tips? And I think you have to go back to chapter 1, the first five verses, to to get some other tips about how to stay away from the false gospel. Because there's some things in the true gospel that no fake can imitate, no fake can substitute for. And you can probably say uh, the first one, you know, starts with a J, ends with the Jesus Christ. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus Christ. Christ. You can't imitate anything like the story of God the Father sending his one and only son to wipe out our sins. I was at a memorial service. I'm going to too many memorial services. Um, but I was at a memorial service a couple weeks ago up in L.A. And it was the, a guy named Foster Shannon. He was, uh, I interned underneath him as I was going through Fuller. And the, the title of the sermon was, um, What Makes a Man on His Deathbed Clap? And Pastor Jack uh, a good friend of mine he tried to hire me. I, 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 yeah, anyway, I love that Jack, that Jack guy. Anyway, Pastor Jack, he's, he's preaching about this, and he says, I was with Foster Shannon um, on, the, on the week that he, that he died. And I went with him, and I did what everybody else in here did with him. I read scripture. And I didn't know if he was in the room. I didn't know if his presence was there. And he was just stilly lying there. And I, I started with Psalms. And I read some Psalms that I love. And I read some Proverbs that I love. And I read some gospel passages that I love. 
And then I read some Romans that I love, and I got to Romans chapter 8, and he raised his hands. For I have been crucified with Christ, and it no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. This message should be at the core of your being. This message is the message that we gather here every Sunday for. Right? Amen. I love that somebody said amen. We're, we're turning Pentecostal right on. I'm going to start dancing. Is everybody all right with that? Okay. I can pop and lock. That's not considered dancing. Anywho. So the gift of God in Jesus Christ, that's a tip for staying away from false gospels. Cling, cling to that. What's another one? Grace. I'm going to be preaching a lot about grace over the next couple of weeks because this, this letter is dripping with it. There's a, comment, a commentator, a guy named John Barkley. He says, the, grace, the character of grace determines the shape of Paul's mission. The character of grace, like the, the things that make up the concept of grace, shape what Paul is about. And that's contagious. Because hopefully over the next few weeks, grace starts to seep into our core and we start to receive grace like we've never received grace before. And we start to distribute grace like we've never distributed it before. Grace distinguishes the gospel from false gospels. What's another one? Peace. Shalom. Wholeness. Completeness. You're right here. The world keeps cranking along. We're right here. Receiving from God through Jesus Christ that which most people chase after. And it's not going to come through any false gospel. It's not going to come through money. It's not going to come through fame. It's not going to come through success. It's going to come through the true gospel of Jesus the Christ. How do we apply this? First, we study this book. We study it. We know what's going on with COVID. We know what's going on in Ukraine. We know what's going on. What's going on in your life? What's going on in your soul? What does God say to you this morning? You ignore or get rid of the false. You get rid of the Mike Sherrills. <laughs> you remember the, the original story? Mike Sherrill saying, ah, let's just build it. 
That's not the right thing. <laughs> Ditch it. And you ask for endurance. Focus on the essentials, grace, peace, and the gift of God that is Jesus the Christ. And what better way? Later in the service, we're going to be breaking bread around this table. And as we do so, I'm I'm hoping you strip away or ask God to strip away some of the falsities. Maybe ask, God, help me to teach, uh, teach me to receive grace this morning in a new way as I prepare my heart and my life towards Easter. Maybe ask God, teach me what peace looks like amidst this chaotic and storm-filled world. Maybe after the service, you get out your calendar and you cross off some things and you put meet with Jesus Christ in their place. Take your Bible and study Galatians. Amen? As we continue to worship and as we continue to make our way towards breaking bread together, now it's part of the service where we praise God and give thanks by offering our tithes and his offerings, let's reverse that, offering our offerings and his tithes. Um, This morning's tithes and offerings are now received. Oh, and if you're at home, Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. Now this morning's offering and received. Good morning. Uh, he didn't make it into the building because he just came a half a day later. But uh, I want you to welcome our soloist for the day. Her name is Mesa Soprano Catherine Crossback. Very appropriately because it's the first Sunday in Lent. She's going to sing PASU by Gabriel Foray from his Requiem. The words are just a few. Blessed Jesus, grant us peace.
And the bulletin's incorrect. I'm starting this, right? Right. Okay. And as I was just preaching about, this table's about grace. It's not a Presbyterian table. It's not Sharon's table. It's not my table. It's actually the Lord's table. And there's one requirement to approach this table. And that is need. If you can't make it on your own. If you need to be filled up today in a new way by the grace of our Lord. If you need just the encouragement of breaking bread with followers of Jesus all in need all throughout this globe today, this table's for you. Join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit, I pray that you would meet us anew this morning as we break bread together. I pray that you would, by your spirit, unite us with followers of Jesus worldwide as we gather to this table. We once again acknowledge the fact that we were sinners in need of grace and you sent in your one and only son to die for each and every one of us. Raise us up through this table. Unite us through this table. And all God's people said, Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered around the table for the Passover meal with his 12 buddies, 12 closest friends. And he said, this bread no longer signifies getting out of town so fast that we couldn't wait for it to rise. This, no, this, this now is an outward symbol of an inward reality that I, Jesus the Christ, am giving my body and it's broken for you. You have a little pod thing, you peel off the first layer. I'm going to excuse me. I'm probably not going to eat this little wafer. I'm going to eat this raisin bread. (laughs) But this is the body of Christ broken for you. In the same way, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, do it in remembrance of me.
the gifts of God for the people of God. Take and drink. Will you pray with me? <clears throat> Eternal God, as you fed your people in the wilderness with unexpected food, so you feed us at this table with a simple loaf and cup. Here you transform us by the working of your wondrous love. Now send us out to be Christ's body in your broken yet beautiful world to bear your good news of hope and joy for all. Amen. If you would indulge me, just place your hands, palm up in your lap, and receive this as a benediction. This is Galatians 1, verses 3 and 4. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, to set us free from the present evil age according to the will of our Father and God. To whom be the glory forever and ever. May it be so. Amen. Our Father who art Yeah.